In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hey, we reached the end of 2020. And if you're planning for retirement in 2021, even if that retirement is years away, we've got eight retirement deadlines you need to know about. It's our version of a New Year's Eve countdown. Straight ahead. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And hello, everyone, and welcome into the Get Ready for the Future show on this, well, depending on when you're watching or listening, whether it's 2020 or 2021, for our Facebook Live and YouTube audience, we are in the final days of 2020. And for our radio audience, it's actually 2021 already. So we're kind of in the middle uh, of our last show and our first show of the new year. My name is Scott Inman, Tim Key, and uh, John Shrewsbury joining us, uh, joining me in on the program today. And we have some deadlines today to talk about, guys. And, you know, they're deadlines. Some of them are actual real deadlines. I would also say some of them are what I would more commonly say is an age-triggered opportunity, right? I mean, all of our deadlines today are going to be based on your age and what you need to be thinking about if you're planning to retire in 2021. And I hope I was specific enough in the open. It doesn't mean you have to be retiring in 2021. It just means you're planning for retirement in 2021. Yeah, and I think that uh, we're all ready to get 2020 out of the way and get a focus on 2021. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about these deadlines and what have you. But I think, Scott, one of the things that we want to be sure to point out is that if you think retirement is in your sights in 2021, you definitely want to pay attention to some of these things that we're going to talk about. But you definitely want to begin to engage uh, fully in the retirement planning process, which we call the ready to retire process here at GenWealth. You know, I think it's really interesting too, guys, if you stayed in the market and you didn't panic, you stayed invested, you're probably feeling a lot better about your retirement or financial independence opportunities than you did in March. If you think about reflecting back, and we do this at the end of the year a lot and looking back at this crazy year, people were probably a lot more worried about their retirement options, Tim, in the early going in this year. Well, it has been a crazy year. Just I mean, the January and February started off all right, but then March hit and things shut down. The market dropped over 35%. And we received those end of March um, quarterly statements and people started freaking out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people did make that decision to jump out. And those that did really paid the price this year because the market has roared back um, these last number of months to be at all-time highs right now. Scott, I don't know that I've ever seen such a whipsaw rally uh, in the market. Uh, you know, obviously, we, everybody was just freaked by uh, the advent of the uh, novel uh, coronavirus. And now, uh, you know, we feel like maybe at this juncture, we maybe have it a little bit on the run and a little bit of turning the corner, even though we're seeing more spike in cases right now. One of the things that we're seeing is that there's a lot better health care going on. And I think that that is going to uh, eventually, you know, kind of uh, dent the number of deaths that we have. And as those numbers of deaths go down, we will see people, you know, begin to, to ease up a little bit. And therefore, the economy, I think, in 2021 has a good chance of opening up uh, on a fairly open basis by the end of the year. So I mentioned there about staying in the market, not panicking. Financial independence really is about making good decisions. And that's kind of what we're talking about, decision points in these 
age-triggered opportunities today. They're between Medicare, Social Security, retirement, investing. There are a lot of deadlines to keep up with, and and not knowing them could cause you some problems, or they could cause you to not take full advantage of uh, opportunities that are out there. So we're going to just walk up the ladder. We mentioned there are eight of our retirement deadlines, and they're all age-specific or age-directed. Uh, so we're going to start with the first one, uh, and it's age 50. And you don't think about that, right? I mean, people who are planning for retirement oftentimes don't start planning for retirement till well past 50 years old. But there is an opportunity uh, that many people are not aware of when you turn age 50. And if you're turning it in 2021, this is this is for you. It absolutely is. And I think that that if you kind of look at the circumstances of 2020, a number of people had to tap into their retirement accounts because they lost their job and they had to have some revenue uh, to keep the family afloat and pay bills. That was one thing that was a clearly a, 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 a difference maker in 2020 versus 2021. And I think that that now there is an opportunity in 2021, hopefully that things are I've stabilized a little bit from the employment front. But even if you weren't affected by that, you've got a great opportunity in 2021 to apply the catch-up provisions of either your 401k plan or your IRA. And Tim, that 401k plan, uh, the limits on the 401k plan are unchanged as far as regular contributions are concerned, but there is that opportunity for that catch-up. Yeah, so if you're turning 50 in the year 2021, it doesn't matter if you turn 50 or if you are 50 already or if you turn it on the last day of the year, you have that opportunity to have that catch-up in your 401k of $6,500 or in your IRA of $1,000. And so oftentimes, you know, what who we see in this are those that maybe started families early on, now the kids are out of the house, they're high-income um, earning years, they've looked at their retirement plans, they know they're behind, and that's exactly what this is for. It's for that catch-up opportunity to be able to put more money in retirement, um, really for that last push until you retire. And Scott, if if you're looking at uh, the possibility of higher taxes in 2021, yeah. this could be a good way to blunt that a little bit because that catch-up provision, if you're going into your traditional 401k or traditional IRA, gives you the opportunity to take that contribution off of your earned income for the year when you file your taxes or you'll get a smaller W-2 of taxable income at the end of the year if you're making a 401k contribution. So that, of course, is related to uh, assuming that you are close to or already maxing out your contributions, right? If, if, you're right. Not, if you're not doing that, the catch-up is really pretty far out there. But I think that goes back to a point here on planning. How do you know how much you knew, you do need to be putting back? Do you need to be putting back just as much as you can? Like like Tim's talking about, you haven't maybe had the opportunity uh, to put a whole lot back while you're raising kids and families uh, are now um, uh, smaller and, and you're in the home with uh, just you and your spouse and you're turning age 50 and you've got opportunities to put more back just in general. But I think it speaks to planning here. A savings rate, identifying a savings rate, particularly about this age, could help you really figure out what you need to be doing for retirement. Yeah, you really still have enough time for that money to grow uh, when you're 50. And so I mean, if you're looking at 65, which is usually the number someone shoots for whenever they're coming in to look at retirement planning. Now, it could be a few years after that or before that. But when you still have 10 to 15 years left for your money to be invested and for that opportunity for those good returns over that number of years, that can really make a difference. Just an extra $1,000 into the IRA or $6,500 into that 401k plan. And Scott, I would say that you never want to be driven by the rules. 
Uh, in other words, your plan shouldn't depend on what the rules of, of saving and investing might be as far as the government is concerned. You need to chart your own course and you need to say, okay, I need to figure out what I need to be saving for my own personal goals uh, to be met at, a, at an assumed rate of return and things of that nature, and then see what you can do inside the rules. And, and the opportunity here at age 50 is that the rules open up a little bit and give you that opportunity to throw more money into it if you were late in getting started or if you had you know some unforeseen circumstance that you had to tap into your retirement assets this could be a way that you could regain some footing as you work toward financial independence and we can really help you run some of those projections that's what yes. we do all day every day so you know really sitting down with us and being able to work out a plan knowing where you want to be um, and what what that looks like in retirement we can actually run those estimates and so forth and be able to get you where you need to be. Well, it's never too early to start planning for financial independence, but I do think this is a really good decision point time when you're 50 years old, not just because of that catch-up contribution, but you're closing in now. We always think about uh, a different investment strategy when you're 10 years and less uh, 10 years or less away from retirement, you're starting to get into that window of what we would call the retirement red zone. But those catch-up contributions, and just to, cl- just to reiterate what Tim said, you're treated as being 50 or older if you turn 50 in that year, in that calendar year. So if you're turning 50 in 2021, check out those catch-up contributions. All right, we're talking about eight retirement deadlines to pay attention to in 2021. Back in a moment. It's our version of a New Year's Eve countdown, you know, or the ball drop, I guess, as you look at the uh, age-triggered opportunities, or eight retirement deadlines, we're calling them, on today's Get Ready for the Future show. We talked about the importance of planning, and that is always going to be uh, paramount in everything we do at GenWealth Financial Advisors. If you would like to uh, set up an appointment with a GenWealth Advisor to begin your planning for retirement or financial independence, you can do that at any time by calling 501 653-7355 or you can reach out via email just send us an email at info at getreadyforthefuture.com and tell us you want to set up that first appointment if you're hearing our voices today likely there is uh, an advisor or an office near you we have many in arkansas and west little rock conway hot springs bryant el dorado and we also have a northwest louisiana office so stop by today and just get that first appointment set Uh, Have a discussion with an advisor, and that's all it is. That first appointment is free, no cost to you. It's just a discussion on how we might be able to help you plan for your financial independence. And we're talking about ways to do that on today's show. Eight age-triggered opportunities or retirement deadlines that you need to be thinking about at different ages along the way. And in our first segment, we talked about age 50 and the catch-up contribution opportunity that you have if you're turning 50 in 2021. The next one up the ladder is age 55. Tim and I haven't reached that. John has, so we'll probably let him wow. start talking about that. <laughs> He's Man. got the rest of these, right? <laughs> he just has this bus. Yeah, we're done. Just, Tim and I are finished. <laughs> he just has this bus that he continually just backs up and runs <laughs> just, over me again. You know, I, I don't know what I did to him. I, I guess I, I should have gotten a better Christmas present. <laughs> you should have. Yeah. Uh, Scott, this uh, this 55 rule is is an advantageous mm-hmm. rule. I'm, I'm not going to rag on the rule. I am going to rag on the, the, the government for making – 
retirement more complex mm. than it should be because everybody has drilled in their head that 59 and a half is when you can take money out of your IRA without a premature withdrawal penalty. But then along comes the government a few years ago and come and adds, adds this great amount of complexity to things and said, but if you're taking it out of your employer plan, you can take it out at 55. Now, I can't really, for the life of me, understand why there is a difference between the IRA and the 401k plan. But nonetheless, you have the opportunity to take money out of your employer plan at 55. Now, what does that mean to you? It really means that you've got the opportunity to leave your job at 55 if you have the financial wherewithal to do so and use your 401k money to bridge that gap between age 55 and age 59 and a half when you can get to IRA money. And Tim, that is a planning technique that we use here at GenWealth for people that are looking to retire prior to age 59 and a half. It is an opportunity that we use that bridge sometimes to get to that point in time where they're totally 100% free and clear of any penalties. Right. So this is one of the biggest, you know, tools that we utilize for those high accumulators. I mean, they've done really well and they're ready to walk away from work. And where do they go to get some money in retirement um, that's not going to be taxed at an extra 10%? And so if they haven't built up, and a lot of them do build up non-qualified, non-retirement assets that we can utilize, but we can also strategize and leave money behind in that 401k plan once they retire and be able to utilize that until we get to that age 59 and a half. And so, you know, with the right plan and so forth, we are going to be the most tax efficient um, retirement income folks that we can be so that you're not paying that large tax burden, too. And this is an opportunity here at age 55. If that summary plan document, which is what goes with your 401k or 403b, it lays out all the rules of what you can and cannot do. So we can review that for you, make sure that that is an opportunity for you to be able to do that and work that into your plan. Scott, Tim mentioned something that we ask our clients to to uh, retrieve for us or help us to, to get, and that is their summary plan description on their 401k plan. Now, that sounds like a big legal document, and it is, but it is something that we will dig into and understand what the rules are of that 401k plan. If you have a, a 55 option, then you can do that. There's also a 59 and a half option that we're going to talk about in just a second. But I also want to, before we leave this particular uh particular point, I want to point out that just because it's legal to take income at 55 from your 401k plan does not necessarily mean that it's the right thing to do. Just because they pass along and says you can get to the money doesn't mean that you should. And and that's really a point that you've got to sit down with your advisor and evaluate. Yeah, it's very, very dangerous to do that without a plan. And, and that's the first point. And then the second point, too, is, you know, Tim, you mentioned the, the term high accumulation. You're, you're going to have to have a lot of assets if you're planning to retire that early as well, unless there's some pensions in play and those types of things. So you definitely don't want to approach pulling money out of your 401k at age 55 without a retirement income plan. Scott, I would also say that that the the reason that that is uh, such a problem for most folks is the longevity issue. Yeah, making your money last as long as you're going to last, and you know you you greatly increase the probability of running out of money in retirement the earlier that you retire. So yes, I I get it. You know, I'm I'm beyond fifty five, and and retirement is something that would be you know attractive at, at this age, but it is really something that you 
you've got to think about and go, okay, am I ready for that financially? Am I ready for it mentally? Am I ready for it physically? Is all There's a lot goes into it, not just a rule that, that Congress passed that allows you to access the money. All right, so we're up to our third point. Again, eight retirement deadlines or in some cases age-triggered opportunities that you need to be aware of in 2021. If you turn age 50, you've got the opportunity in 2021 to increase your contributions even if you've previously maxed out your 401k or IRA or Roth IRA. There are additional catch-up contributions uh, that are um, attractive and open to you in 2021. And if you're age 55, in 2021, uh, turning 55, you've got those opportunities if you're thinking about retiring and you have a plan to do so to be able to withdraw money out of your company-sponsored plan without incurring that 10% additional tax because you're not 59 and a half yet. But if you are 59 and a half, that is our third age-triggered opportunity. Once you reach 59 and a half, withdrawals from your employer-sponsored retirement plans and IRAs are no longer subject to the 10% withdrawal penalty. So this is a great opportunity. This is the magic number. People are more times than not familiar with that when they come into the office. They may not have everything uh, straight with it, but there are some opportunities here to really jumpstart your retirement withdrawals. And Scott, I think that from a planning standpoint, 59 and a half is, is really a, a not necessarily for a withdrawal from the 401k plan that you go spend, but there are planning opportunities that are prompted by something called an in-service distribution. And this is where you have money that you've built up in your 401k plan, and now you say, okay, I'm about ready to make that shift or that change from the accumulation mode into the income mode. And you have to plan differently when you are in the income mode than you do when you are in the accumulation phase of your life. And Tim, this gives us lots of opportunities to prepare someone's overall ready-to-retire process for being ready to retire at 59 and a half. Right. The majority of people will have that opportunity to do that 59 and a half um, in-service distribution or withdrawal, rollover, whatever you want to call it and move that into an IRA. Those 401ks and 403bs, as you probably know, if you go out there to look to see what your investment options are, you're limited. You just have a handful, maybe 15 or 20 funds at the most, and uh, most often um, to invest in. They are great accumulation tools. And so obviously that's where you want some of that first money to go when you're working. But when you get to 59 and a half, you don't want everything at risk. Because if you're looking at retiring at 62 or 65, it's, you're getting into that retirement red zone and it start, it's time to really start pulling some of that risk off. And so we have in IRAs uh, just a multitude of investment options. And it's really a place that we can go to really start preparing for those first number of years of retirement and getting that money staged correctly so that we can provide that monthly income when you actually retire. Scott, I would also point out that the important phrase here is not distribution, it is in-service, meaning that you don't have to leave your job in order to affect this distribution from your 401k plan. Under most circumstances, people think that you've got to, to leave your job and, and quit in order to have access to the 401k money. But at 59 and a half, you've got access to it on an in-service distribution option, meaning that you keep your job, you keep your 401k plan, you continue to contribute to 
into that 401k plan, but you have the bulk of that money able to be rolled over to an IRA or one of the other three options. So let's dig into those other three options. Obviously, you could keep the money in the plan. No one says you have to take it out at 59 and a half. You could transfer it to a new plan if you were going to a new employer. Uh, that's certainly something that you can do anytime that you leave a job. You could cash it out. We don't necessarily recommend that unless you have a very diligent plan for, for doing so. But also, you could roll it over to an IRA, and that is what really does trigger the ready-to-retire process. Now, if you didn't catch uh, all of that, we would be glad to review that with you. If you're turning 59 and a half in 2021, it would be a great time to set up an appointment with a GenWealth Financial Advisor. You can do that by calling 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355 to set a complimentary appointment. We can just discuss those options that John just went over and also talk through the GenWealth Ready to Retire process with you. That's the planning process that we go through with our clients to build a retirement income plan that meets their income needs and desires in retirement. That's another thing. When it's 59 and a half, you're getting closer to that uh, retirement date, and it's a great time to discuss your options when it comes to setting up an investment strategy that will give you income uh, throughout retirement. All right, so we've got about a minute left. We can delve into our next retirement deadline or uh, age deadline, if you will. It's age 62, and this one many people are familiar with as well. You know, a lot of people, Tim mentioned already, I think the common, the most common retirement age uh, that we get in our office is 65, and I think that's probably across the board. If you, say, if you ask somebody, when are you going to retire? Well, 65, and, and that's usually Medicare-driven, but 62 is probably the second most popular date because that's when Social Security decisions are uh, available to be made. Yeah, now I think if you go around and ask anybody, uh, and particularly if you ask folks that are already retired, when do you want to take your Social Security? They're going to tell you age 62 because they're absolutely convinced, Tim, that Social Security is going to run out of money and you're not going to get a check if you don't get it at 62. Let's take it while you can get it. and. Um you know, a lot of people, they also believe that as soon as you do quit working, whether that's 62 or 63, you have to start Social Security. And that's not necessarily the truth either. Um, we really, for all of our clients going through the ready to retire process, we're going to do a Social Security analysis to determine when is the best time to actually start filing and collecting Social Security benefits. All right. So we have to take a break, but we'll kind of go a little bit deeper into decision points around age 62, our eight retirement deadlines in 2021 as the Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Eight retirement deadlines to be on the lookout for if you are turning certain ages in 2021 with regard to your plan for financial independence. We've talked about age 50, age 55, and age 59 and a half, the opportunities or deadlines that are there for you to consider. If you're turning age 62 in 2021, there are some social security decisions available to you. And, you know, I think the, the, the gist of when people come and plan with us at GenWealth, when they discuss Social Security, and you mentioned it already, John, in the uh, last segment, their first concern is, is it even going to be there? Shouldn't I just get all I can get now because I may not get it for long? But the other thing, too, is is they really want to maximize the income they get from Social Security. And, and this becomes a how long are you going to live discussion. So it's very difficult to pinpoint how much you're going to be able to get over a lifetime from Social Security, not knowing how long 
you're going to live. There is a break-even point, if we can, and we will do that in the Social Security analysis that Tim's already mentioned, uh, comparing if you take it early versus waiting until age 70 to when, when you're going to get the biggest check from Social Security, and it's usually around 80, 81. It varies a little bit. But really, I think the discussion should be a lot more unique to the person than that. I think that uh, there is a Social Security expert that we have worked with in the past. He says, if you can tell me the day you're going to die, I can tell you exactly the right claiming strategy for you to, to take Social Security. But we don't know that. And so it really does boil down to what makes sense. It's not a hard and fast rule. Some people say 62, you got to take it. Some people say wait to 70, always wait to 70 because you get more money. Well, maybe and maybe not. If you die at 72, you're not going to get more money from Social Security. You might get a larger check every month, but that you're, cumulatively, you're not going to get more money. I think, Tim, the, it really does turn on what the other assets and other resources that someone has, uh, the claiming strategy that you employ with Social Security. Yeah, and it all goes back to the plan again. If you've got a lot of assets and we're able to utilize those assets to bridge the gap to maybe delay Social Security benefits and get you a larger permanent benefit from that point on, oftentimes that's what we'll do. But if your assets are limited and you still want to retire early, 62, 63, we may go ahead and start Social Security to really provide some of that additional guaranteed income that we're going to need to be able to really save and utilize some of your assets to be able to provide for um, increases on down the road. Scott, I think it also turns on whether there's longevity in your family. You know, if you have the history of a long life in, in your father, mother, and, and maybe even your grandparents, uh, that might make a different decision on Social Security than the one that you would make just outright. But there is no rhyme or reason necessarily to it from a rules-based standpoint. It is really the overall circumstances, and you've got a lot of competing interest here. You know, there are obviously the need to support a, a surviving spouse if the breadwinner were to die, if the main breadwinner in the house were to die, there's the need to support that surviving spouse, and that is done by delaying Social Security to some degree. There's also the uh, need that if you're going to retire early, then you're probably going to need the support of that uh, of that extra income, that extra guaranteed income stream early at 62 because it puts a strain on your assets. I think the key, Scott, is that you've got to come in, you've got to sit down, you've got to plan because it's incredibly complex, uh, the, the whole process that goes on there. Yeah, it's not as simple as 62 or not. It's about 80 claiming strategies that yeah. are available out there. So you really need to take a look at all of them. Yeah, you got to think about this. Uh, you know, we call rules of thumb, rules of dumb for a reason, because they, they are just that. They're just very broad-based generalities, and your life doesn't revolve around generalities. Your life revolves around specifics. And if you get the specifics wrong, Tim, you could really have a problem. Very much so. I mean, there's so many different things to take into consideration, whether you're single, widowed, um, divorced even, mm-hmm. and, and married. Because, and if there's an age difference in that marriage, I mean, there's so many different filing strategies. And that's really where the analysis can come into play and probably give you a scenario you never thought about. Yeah, it, I would also say, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, if all this makes your head hurt, but yeah. it doesn't make <laughs> our heads hurt. We This is what we do for a living. And and that's why we look for folks that are really financial delegators. They are folks that say, hey, I need someone to come alongside me that I can delegate this to, that can take the deep dive that we're talking about here on the show to get us down the road. Yeah, and I was just going to mention that Tim and I actually sat with a couple where, and this is happening more and more too, there was a minor child in the home as someone reached age 62. 
That's a big, big decision point as well. And if you do continue to work, another big note here before we move on, if you do continue to work and take Social Security, if you take it early at age 62, there are income limits that could reduce your benefits if you exceed them. So you can only Great make point. so much in employment income, and I believe that's around eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars $19,000 a year, right? Yeah, it's it's not much. It's a, it is a small amount of money, and uh, you know where I've had to talk people off the ledge to, uh, to some degree. They were still working, and they still want to go get that Social Security check again because they thought that they weren't going to get it otherwise. And we had to walk through that whole provision in the Social Security uh, laws that basically say if you take it prior to your full retirement age, there's a a good shot that if you're earning income, that that uh, Social Security check is going to either be reduced or eliminated. All right, so our next age-triggered deadline or opportunity is age 65. Now, this is the age that is most commonly given to us is when – Folks want to retire, and it's usually because that's when most Americans are eligible for Medicare. That, if you don't know, is the federal government's retirement health insurance program that covers some of the cost of physician and and all of the cost of hospital care and some health services. doesn't cover everything, and we need to talk about that if you come in to see us as well. But Medicare comes in several segments. You've got Part A, Part B, C, and D, the rules for signing up, receiving benefits. They can be complex, John. Well, and I think that, that the key here is that there is a lifetime penalty that if you don't sign up for parts B and D, those lifetime penalties begin to really ramp up your cost of health care into retirement. You've got to sign up on the deadlines or before the deadlines in order for that surcharge not to hit you. It is a 10% surcharge on your Medicare premium on Part B Medicare if you don't sign up in the appropriate amount of time. So again, working with an advisor is very critical to getting that part of it done. Scott, I would also say that that you've got to think about Medigap insurance or a Medicare supplement of some type because Medicare is not going to cover everything. We tend to think, again, Tim, in generalities, oh, I'm on Medicare, that'll take care of it, and there are some gaping holes there. I think the most um, obvious one that people have talked about in the past is that uh, drug don't that Part D um, yes. donut that that portion that um, is not covered, and so the Medigap plans are very um, restricted, I guess, and covered by the government. So re- regular laws there, and so most of them are very similar. The cost is similar, but you need to find someone you can talk to that sells those Medigap, those supplemental plans that you can trust that can walk you through all of that. Yeah, there are about six or eight different Medigap plans, and they each have their little nuances and what have you. And so it is, you know, I said the other day, and looking at the Social Security and the Medicare websites, it's amazing that anybody ever gets any benefit because it is so confusing. And so, again, having counsel, having that trusted advisor to sit down with and walk you through this, that you can delegate this information to and say, hey, help me to figure this out. Walk me through and educate me about this. The key is education. You've got to make the decision, but you need a guide to help you do that. Yeah, if you're turning age 65 in 2021 and you just want to come in and ask those Medicare questions, that's your deadline, really. I mean, I I think honestly, when it comes to planning for Medicare, it needs to happen before age 65. But if you are going to turn age 65 in 2021 and you just have some questions about what do I do? How do I sign up? When do I do it? What do I need? 
we can help you do that as well. That's part of the uh, holistic planning that we do at Gen Wealth, and you can call 501-653-7355 to set up an appointment with an advisor or email info at getreadyforthefuture.com, and we'll sit down and talk with you about those. But I think when it comes to pre-age 65 and Medicare-related costs, that needs to get planned into your retirement income. I think that's part of it, the premiums. And then a consideration here we should point out too is Medicare is not going to cover everything no matter how many supplemental things you have. So out-of-pocket health care costs need to be a planning point as well. Absolutely. And and the statistics are, are very scary when you think about how much a, a couple who is age 65 is going to spend on out-of-pocket health care costs between 65 and the time that they pass away. It's like a quarter of a million dollars. It's, it's outrageous how much it is, but it's something that you definitely have got to deal with. All right. Age 66 is our next uh, age-related retirement opportunity or deadline. And this is really starting to fade away now because when it comes to age 66, that is that used to be the full retirement age for Social Security. I shouldn't say used to be. It is for people who were born between 1943 and 1954. So that means this year, uh, those folks turned age 66. And everybody who turns age 66 from this point forward, it's actually going to be higher, their full retirement age, up to age 67. That's the max right now. Now, that may change in the years to come as they try to look for fixes for Social Security. But it's not either or. I think that's a good decision. Our talking point here for us is it's not 66 or 67. If you were born somewhere between 1954 and 1960, it's going to be 66 in one or two months. Yeah, and and more complexity. Again, it's just more complexity is just – and – and the, the challenge here is that, you know, all of this complexity is hitting about the time that, that your cognitive abilities begin to wane a little bit. And so you've got to understand kind of the details of this. And when it comes to full retirement age, that is a, a, a key when, it, uh, when you are thinking about working and drawing Social Security. Full retirement age and beyond, you can make as much money as you want, and it's not going to hurt you from a Social Security standpoint. And, and I think that's that's really kind of the, the most important thing is about that full retirement age is that you still have the ability to have some income and it not damage your Social Security check. So if you wanted to continue working part time and maybe just scale back on how many hours you were doing, you could still make, you know, we, you know, we talked about the restriction of $19,000 before full retirement age. But as John mentioned, you can make 50000 100000 150000 It doesn't really matter. And you won't be in that little spot where you're going to have to start paying back your Social Security benefits. So it is a good time that if you want to continue working, but you also want to go ahead and take the Social Security benefits, now's the time to do that when you're at full retirement age. Eight age-related retirement deadlines or opportunities. That's the topic of today's Get Ready for the Future show. We've gone up in chronological order so far. Age 50, age 55, 59 and a half, 62 65 and 66. We are working our way up to the 70s. Yes, there are decision points related to your retirement in your 70s. And we're going to do that uh, after the break as well and have our final thoughts uh, coming up. If you want to talk to a Gen Wealth advisor, again, you can call us at 501 653 7355. That's 501 653 7355. Or email us info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Back in a moment.
Reaching financial independence requires making good, sound decisions along the way, long before you ever reach financial independence in many cases. And we've talked today in the Get Ready for the Future show about eight age-triggered opportunities or deadlines that if you're turning certain ages in 2021, those opportunities or deadlines are facing you, facing you first and foremost. So we talked about age 50 and the catch-up contributions that you will be eligible for. Age 55, that you have opportunities to make withdrawals from your company-sponsored plan if you have left that company at age 55 without incurring a 10% penalty. But how do you know how much and if that's right to do? 59 and a half gives you the opportunity to consider an in-service withdrawal in many cases. And then the Social Security question at age 62. Medicare questions at age 65. Are we confusing you yet? Boy, there's a lot there if you say it all fast. 66 being uh, the possible beginning of your full retirement age. And now in this segment, we're going to go up to age 70. And there's some decision points here again about Social Security. If you've waited until your 70th birthday, you haven't taken that Social Security uh, check yet, and you're turning 70 in 2021, uh, John, that is when the maximum amount of Social Security is available to you. So it makes no, there's no advantage to waiting till 71 or 72 to take that check. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, Social Security has been known to call you and say, hey, yes. get, your, get your check going here. So let's take a look at a graph that, that uh, I know our radio listeners are not going to be able to see, but I'll explain for our radio listeners. But it assumes that your full retirement age is age 66 and your benefit is going to be $2,000 a month. This graph actually shows the benefit or the, the cut in benefit, if you will, uh, uh, based on when you take Social Security. Security. So at age 62, that $2,000 benefit that you would have had at 66 is actually reduced to $18,000 a year or about $1,500 a month. If you roll up all the way to age 70, the benefit that you would have had at 66 of $2,000 a month or $24,000 a year actually is $31,680 a year. No small potatoes there between age 66 and age 70. But again, I think it goes back to the common sense thing of what is right with your plan. If you don't have a, if you are what we call a constrained investor, meaning that you've got enough to, to, to make it happen, but you really don't have any margin, then delaying Social Security to age 70 is probably not in the cards. It's probably also not in the cards to, to start taking it at 62. You've got to balance all of those factors and make a good decision. And Tim, again, the complexity is what demands some help here. Absolutely. Uh, there's about a 76% difference between taking it early at 62 and waiting until age 70 in that scenario. So, I mean, it makes a big difference in that monthly check that you're going to get. And again, a lot of it goes back to the plan. A lot of it goes back to, you know, how long do you think you're actually going to live? If you're healthy and your parents are still living and you haven't had any significant health issues, I mean, it may make sense to hold off and draw that larger benefit because that is the benefit that the cost of living adjustments and everything else will be based off from that time forward. Tim is showing off his human calculator skills there. That's pretty good. So that percentage difference between six, uh, age 62 and age 70. Good job, Tim. Well, I had a little cheat sheet here, too. On <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. He does do good math in his head, though. Yes, he, he does. I'm, I'm usually behind him on the calculator. Yes. All right, so our final age-related or age-triggered deadline or opportunity is now going to be 72. You probably know of it as 70 and a half. For years and years and years, 
if you reached the age of 70 and a half, you were required to make a required minimum distribution or take a required minimum distribution from your qualified plan. The rules have changed regarding that. You can now be 72 if you turn uh, or if you haven't reached 70 and a half as of January of 2020. So that came into play with the SECURE Act. The required minimum distributions were pushed back a whopping 18 months. Now, there was another side of this that wasn't so favorable at all, and we might get into that a little bit too because I think it has to do with these ages as well. But the required minimum distribution, that means you have to begin taking a percentage of your qualified account values beginning at age 72. Yeah, and there are some exceptions to that where if you're continuing to work and all your of your money is in a 401k plan where you work, then you don't have to take a required minimum distribution. Otherwise, you do. And, and that continuing to work has to be at the location where that 401k money is. If you have 401k money and you have IRA money, you still have to take the IRA required minimum distribution. But let's talk a little bit about what this law also brought into effect. It changed it from 70 to half to 72, which was, I never understood why it was at 70 and a half as opposed to a round number. Uh, and now it is a round number, 72. But to get to age 72, they changed the law and said, now, if you pass on your IRA to a non-spouse, meaning that, that let's say the husband uh, bequests his IRA to his wife, and then the wife uh, beneficializes that IRA to their child or children, now the children have to take withdrawal of that IRA over a 10-year period of time. I think the key question in this, Scott, is how do you want to leave your legacy? Are you interested in leaving a legacy of your invested assets, qualified invested assets to your kids? If so, you need to understand the tax consequences that that's going to thrust upon them when they actually make that withdrawal. And I think this is something that it needs to be considered long before you get to age 70. If you're, if you're thinking about that, because life insurance could come into play here, because as of now, those proceeds are tax-free. So if you're looking at it, giving an inheritance to your children, it becomes more tax-beneficial, Tim, to think about life insurance rather than your IRA. Because life insurance benefits can be passed on um, tax-free. And yeah. so the other option would be doing some Roth conversions and moving that mm-hmm. money into Roth, just getting it out of the IRAs. And so... Um, yeah, it's really something strategic that you're going to need to think through. Um, one of the main reasons I don't like the whole 10 year thing is because we're really passing that money on to the next generation, probably during their highest income earning years. Yeah. And so when that money has to be taken out over those 10 years, that's just being added on and potentially putting you, putting you in a higher tax bracket for the taxes that are going to come off those um, inherited monies. This is a actual uh, a tax increase without having to raise taxes is what this really boils down to, is they, they raise taxes uh, by essentially taxing over a 10-year period of time what was being deferred over a lifetime for the most part, except for a small required minimum distribution that was uh, stretched over the the non-spouse beneficiary's life. And I know all of this is confusing, but, but but again, that's why I say you have to ask yourself the question, do I care what the tax consequences are to my kids? And do I want to leave a certain legacy to my kids? If that is important to you, then you need to do some planning well before age 70 and a half to make that happen, either through the life insurance thing or the Roth conversion thing that Tim talked about. I think it is important that we talk about the fact that you're still going to pay the tax on that Roth conversion when you make that, that conversion. And you probably want to do that 
in a series of small steps as opposed to one big step because it will kill you on a tax basis if you do it all at once. I think one other way that you can actually move money out of the um, IRAs without paying taxes is doing a qualified charitable distribution. So yes. um, you can actually have that RMD that you're going to be required to take be directly sent to a charitable organization. And you do not have to claim that as income on your tax return. You'd also don't get the um, charitable contribution on your taxes, but you are able to move that money out of your IRA directly to that charitable contribution. So you really fit the requirement of taking the RMD, which if you don't, it's a 50% penalty of what you should have taken. And you're able to give that to that charity that, um, that you support. Yeah. And I think two qualifiers there is number one, you have to be RMD age in order to be able to do that. And I think there's a little quirk in the law that allows you to take that qualified distribution at 70 and a half still, uh, as opposed to 72. And then the other thing is you have to be willing to give up the money. Uh, it can go up to a hundred thousand dollars, but you have to be able uh, mentally to go, okay, I'm good with giving that money away as opposed to paying taxes on it. That is in some people's uh, DNA as far as their, their own uh, charitable contribution mindset is concerned. Some folks are like, okay, I'll just take it and, and pay the tax on it and, and deal with it on my own. Either way, planning is the key here. And, and if you sit down and do some planning, you're not being led around by the regulation. You're actually being intentional about what it is that you want to do. All right. So there's our bell time for our final thoughts. And it has been a jam-packed show to say the least with lots of information and i and i sit here and listen to all of the things that we've talked about and i think it could be confusing i I don't think (laughs) i know we get it retirement can be confusing that's really one of our key roles here at genwell to help you cut through the confusion create a clear plan and build toward financial independence and that's my final thought cut through the confusion with an advisor you can trust questions need answers and that only comes by going through the planning process well my final thought is really having that plan sitting down with your advisor i mean this is something we do all day every day and so um, we always meet at least annually with our clients and so you know these things don't happen um, all in the same year so we're able to sit down we're able to plan for and, and remind our clients hey, this, this deadline's coming up. This is what we plan to do then. And so really being able to have that clear plan, sit down with an advisor and have us help you walk us walk you through that i think guys the the key to me is if you just kind of take this whole thing in into perspective we've talked about uh catch-up provisions we've talked about age 55 distributions from your 401k we've talked about 59 and a half what you can do from an in-service distribution standpoint and dealing with the four ways that you can uh, take your money out of the 401k plan age 62 Uh, Should I take Social Security at 62 or should I delay until my full retirement age, which for folks turning 67 is uh, your full retirement age this year? And what about this 70 and 70 and a half and 72 thing? Sounds like huge penalties. These are all things that you need an advisor for, and we're here for you to do that. 501-653-7355. That's the number, 501-653-7355, or email at info at getreadyforthefuture.com. That first appointment is no cost to you. It's just a discussion of many of the things we've talked about on today's show. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching and listening. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com. 
or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of GenWealth Financial Advisors, and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only.